Hi, this is Adina here with today's episode of Wonder Your Way to Brilliant, podcast show of courage to be curious. And this year, as you know, on the podcast show, we are following the Yamas and Niyamas, ethical guide principles for um, yogic living or yogic principles for ethical living. Sorry about that. And we have been following Deborah Adele's book on the topic. And we are currently looking at the Yama of non-stealing. And many of you will know it's April right now. Earth Day is coming up in the coming week, actually on Monday. And so since we are talking about non-stealing, and one of the topics that Deborah Adele focuses on in her book is non-stealing from the earth, I wanted to kind of do something a little bit different this week in honor of thinking about this topic of the ways that we steal from the earth and to bring our consciousness our consciousness and awareness to the topic and not giving any solutions, of course, or even prescriptions, here's what we might try or do, but to hopefully inspire our creativity and thinking and our um, willingness to be curious about just the little ways that we interact with the earth every day, what we take for granted, what we pay attention to, and how we can become more integrated with our in the experience that the earth is having right now and that we are having as inhabitants of the earth. All right, that was big and lofty. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do that's a little bit different is instead of sharing my own thoughts on this, I'm actually going to share the thoughts of Paul Hawken, who is a renowned entrepreneur, visionary, environmental activist, um, and author on a number of books related to the environment and activism. And this is actually an address that he gave, um, a commencement address to the class of 2009 at the University of Portland. So if you've already heard it, if you have already listened to the commencement address from 2009 at the University of Portland, you can tune out unless you want another refresher. But many of us may not have heard this. And so I'm sharing it because it so hits the point and focuses on this issue of our awareness about the earth and you know what it means for us to be stealing from the earth just in the ways that humans are currently inhabiting it. And the other thing is, I love the title. So listen to the title of this. The title of his talk is called, You Are Brilliant and the Earth is Hiring. So here's the commencement address. And as always, I'd love to know your thoughts on it and think of it as a little storytelling for today, hearing the story of um, you know, Paul's thoughts on our relationship with the earth. When I was invited to give this speech, I was asked if I could give a simple short talk that was direct, naked, taut, honest, passionate, lean, shivering, startling, and graceful. Absolutely no pressure. Let's begin with the startling part. You, the class of 2009, are going to have to figure out what it means to be a human being on earth at a time when every living system is declining and the rate of decline is accelerating. Kind of a mind-boggling situation. But not one peer-reviewed paper published in the last 30 years can refute that statement. Basically, civilization needs a new operating system. You are the programmers, and we need it within a few decades. This planet did come with a set of instructions, but we seem to have misplaced them. Important rules like don't poison the water, soil, or air. Don't let the earth get overcrowded and don't touch the thermostat, have been broken. Buckminster Fuller, a futurist, said that Spaceship Earth was so ingeniously designed that no one has a clue that we are on one. 
flying through the universe at a million miles per hour with no need for seatbelts, lots of room and coach, and really good food. But all that is changing. There is invisible writing on the back of the diplomas you will receive today, and in case you didn't bring lemon juice to decode it, I can tell you what it says. You are brilliant, and the earth is hiring. The earth couldn't afford to send recruiters or limos to your school. Instead, it sent you rain, sunsets, ripe cherries, night-blooming jasmine, and that unbelievably cute person you are dating. Take the hint. And here's the deal. Forget that this task of planet saving is not possible in the time required. Don't be put off by the people who know what is not possible. Do what needs to be done and check to see if it was impossible only after you are done. When asked if I am a pessimist or an optimist about the future, my answer is always the same. If you look at the science about what is happening on Earth and aren't pessimistic, you don't understand the data. But if you meet the people who are working to restore the earth and the lives of the poor, and you aren't optimistic, you haven't got a pulse. What I see everywhere in the world are ordinary people willing to confront despair, power, and incalculable odds in order to restore some semblance of grace, justice, and beauty in the world. The poet Adrian Rich wrote, So much has been destroyed. I've cast my lot with those who, age after age, perversely, with no extraordinary power, reconstitute the world. There could be no better description. Humanity is coalescing. It is reconstituting the world, and the action is taking place in schoolrooms, farms, jungles, villages, campuses, companies, refuge camps, deserts, fisheries, and slums. You join a multitude of caring people, no one knows how many groups and organizations are working on the most salient issues of our day. Climate change, poverty, deforestation, peace, water, hunger, conservation, human rights, and more. This is the largest movement the world has ever seen. Rather than control, it seeks connection. Rather than dominance, it strives to disperse concentrations of power. Like Mercy Corps, it works behind the scenes and gets the job done. Large as it is, no one knows the true size of this movement. It provides hope, support, and meaning to billions of people in the world. Its clout resides in ideas, not in force. It is made up of teachers, children, peasants, business people, rappers, organic farmers, nuns, artists, government workers, fish folk, fisher folk, engineers, students, incorrigible writers, weeping Muslims, concerned mothers, poets, doctors without borders, grieving Christians, street musicians, the government, governments, and the writer David James Duncan would say, the creator, the one who loved us all in such a huge way. There is a rabbinic teaching that says, if the world is ending and the Messiah arrives, first plant a tree and then see if the story is true. Inspiration is not garnered from the litanies of what may befall us. It resides in humanity's willingness to restore, redress, reform, rebuild, recover, reimagine, and reconsider. One day you finally knew what you had to do and began, though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice. Is Mary Oliver's description of moving away from the profane toward a deep sense of connectedness to the living world? The living world is not out there, somewhere, but in your heart. 
what do we know about life? In the words of biologist Janine Benyus, life creates the conditions that are conducive to life. Life creates the conditions that are conducive to life. I can think of no better motto for a future economy. We have tens of thousands of abandoned homes without people and tens of thousands of abandoned people without homes. We have failed bankers advising failed regulators on how to save failed assets. We're the only species on the planet without full employment. Brilliant. We have an economy that tells us that it's cheaper to destroy the earth in real time than to renew, restore, and sustain it. You can print money to bail out a bank, but you can't print life to bail out a planet. At present, we are stealing the future. We are selling it in the present and calling it gross domestic product. We can just as easily have an economy that is based on healing the future instead of stealing it. We can either create assets for the future or take assets of the future. One is called restoration and the other exploitation. And whenever we exploit the earth, we exploit people and cause untold suffering. Working for the earth is not a way to get rich. It is a way to be rich. The first living cell came into being nearly 40 million centuries ago, and its direct descendants are in all of our bloodstreams. Literally, you are breathing molecules this very second that were inhaled by Moses, Mother Teresa, and Bono. We are vastly interconnected. Our fates are inseparable, and we are here because the dream of every cell is to become two cells. And dreams come true. In each of you are one quadrillion cells, 90% of which are not human cells. Your body is a community, and without those other microorganisms, you would perish in hours. Each human cell has 400 billion molecules conducting millions of processes between trillions of atoms. The total cellular activity in one human body is staggering. One septillion actions at any one moment, a one with 24 zeros after it. In a millisecond, our body has undergone 10 times more processes than there are stars in the universe, which is exactly what Charles Darwin foretold when he said science would discover that each living creature was a little universe formed of a host of self-propagating organisms, inconceivably minute and as numerous as the stars of heaven. So I have two questions for you all. First, can you feel your body? Stop for a moment. Feel your body. One septillion activities going on simultaneously. And your body does this so well that you are free to ignore it and wonder instead when the speech will end. You can feel it. It is called life. This is who you are. The second question is, who is in charge of your body? Who is managing those molecules? Hopefully not a political party. Life is creating the conditions that are conducive to life inside of you, just as in all of nature. Our innate nature is to create the conditions that are conducive to life. What I want you to imagine is that collectively, is that collectively humanity is evincing a deep innate wisdom in coming together to heal the wounds and insults of the past. Ralph Waldo Emerson once asked, what would we do if the stars only came out once every thousand years? No one would sleep that night, of course. The world would create new religions overnight. 
we would be ecstatic, delirious, made rapturous by the glory of God. Instead, the stars come out every night and we watch television. This extraordinary time when we are globally aware of each other and the multiple dangers that threaten civilization has never happened. Not in a thousand years, not in 10,000 years. Each of us is as complex and beautiful as all the stars of the universe. We have done great things and we have gone way off course in terms of honoring creation. You are graduating to the most amazing, stupefying, challenging, ever bequested challenge ever bequested to any generation. The generations before you failed, they didn't stay up all night. They got distracted and lost sight of the fact that life is a miracle every moment of your existence. Nature beckons you to be on her side. You couldn't ask for a better boss. The most unrealistic person in the world is the cynic, not the dreamer. Hope only makes sense when it doesn't make sense to be hopeful. But this is your century. Take it and run as if your life depends upon it. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed sharing. And the one thing I want to leave you with as we head into this weekend for many people of Earth Day activities, and even if you're not attending any specifically, or maybe you didn't even realize it was Earth Day, which is fine too, is I still invite you to ruminate on this line that says, life is creating the conditions that are conducive to life inside you just as in all of nature. What would it mean today, in this moment, over this weekend, and as a daily practice to remember that life is creating the conditions that are conducive to life and that we in turn can create conditions that are conducive to the future of life. And just be curious, what would that mean for me? whether that was something as simple as figuring out something new that could be recycled that you've never recycled before, whether it is taking moments to go outside and bring a friend to be in awe of the stars at night, whether it is to become involved and active in some way. And one thing I've learned over time is that our actions, the actions of each person don't have to be huge. Environmental activism is not my largest investment of energy. But what I've realized is that even if I don't, I'm not the most active person compared to a colleague friend of mine who is super involved in climate change work, that the collective small actions of many people contribute and go a long way. The collective consciousness of people who have awareness and are willing to take time to pause in that awareness and share that awareness and even bring the energy of awareness of the ways in which we're stealing from the future and the ways in which we can give back will make a difference. So be curious, be curious about the life within you, be curious about the ways in which you contribute to the future of life on this planet. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please remember to share please think about going on to iTunes and rating the show so more people can find it. And as you know, we want to build the listenership of Wonder Your Way to Brilliant. If this work is talking to you, if these messages are meaningful for you and you think they're meaningful for others, please spread the word, share, because each consciousness that is raised around these principles, around this work of being curious and cultivating curiosity 
makes the world a better place. I honestly believe that. And I'm grateful to all of those who join me in this journey. So have a brilliant week, and we'll be back again next week with more on Astea non-stealing.